0: You are listening to the evolution exchange podcast, a platform that we've created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Paul Hackett and I'm your host. So today on the evolution exchange, we will be discussing creating a healthy culture in a gaming studio. We'll start off with
1: some intros. Thor, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Thor Odinson and, uh, I'm the general manager of directed games. Uh, I'm also the chairman of IGI, the Icelandic uh, Game Industry Coalition, and uh, sit on the board of Nordic Game Institute, which is uh, the Nordic Game uh, Collaborative uh, framework. Busy guy, Anna.
2: Hi everybody, my name is Anna Norvik. I am a development director at DICE, uh, owned by Electronic Arts, and I've previously I worked at the Paradox Interactive as a producer uh, for for about five years with uh, different strategy games. And then I worked as a CEO of a game company called Antler Interactive, working with augmented reality, virtual reality, and blockchain, so new technology in games. Very
0: cool. Marcus? Hello, everyone.
3: I'm Marcus Wachtela. I am the Chief Marketing and Financial Officer at Fingersoft. Um, perhaps best known for the hill climb racing mobile game. Nice one.
4: And Murat, Hello there. My name is Murat. I'm producer in tactile games uh, in charge of the story development for the game called Penny and Flow and for the game board for Lily's Garden and Penny and Flow. Awesome.
0: Right. So let's kick us off with the first discussion point. Uh, and I would like to have a discussion around the individual accountability within maintaining a healthy culture anna do you want to give some context around that please
2: for sure so several companies that i've worked with in the past have talked about the importance of accountability and it's uh it's a concept that is very close to my heart i've been thinking a lot around it uh, what it means and how to encourage it and i'm believing that if people take accountability uh, it can lead to a more efficient organization and also Give more motivation to people in an organization um, and i'm curious about what thoughts you have about accountability what it means how to encourage it and how it can look like in different organizations
0: perfect uh morad do you want to kick us off on this one sure and
4: i think it strongly depends on not just company but the team when we're talking about that but because i think it's very common when you have a team where one person just pulls it, like pulls everything and the rest just fall and sometimes it works perfectly and it still has the, I guess you still can have a healthy culture in the team if you just establish some set of rules, like, okay, we, uh, send emojis to, uh, in Slack, for instance, to make sure that, uh, people are aware that their uh, messages uh, have been read or we make sure to provide context to our, like today's emotional state or something like, like, Hey guys, I'm feeling a bit under the weather, like something happened personally so don't mind if i'm grumpy it's just because of that and that's fine but uh, if uh, you encourage your team members to also be proactive in helping you to build that healthy culture inside the team or like on a company level it's always way better it's just sometimes pretty hard to uh, develop that shared understanding why that is important and that's where for instance for me as a producer that's where uh some tips and tricks come because it's not just uh my experience to make the like atmosphere or meetings or whatever we have uh feel healthy and comfortable for people it's also the idea to onboard them to uh make the same from their side so it won't be just like my initiative it will be initiative of the whole team so we all know why this is important and that's like becomes not just your responsibility, like not your accountability, but the accountability of the whole team. And uh, I think from manager perspective, like the biggest uh, trick here is to make sure that everyone in the team is on board with this idea. So it's not just like, yeah, you come with the idea of making, for instance, meetings more efficient and uh, inclusive. It's something that everyone in that meeting should be aware and everyone should uh, contribute to that. And this like very interesting topic on the edge, because sometimes, uh, the initiative of uh, whoever holds the meeting is good, but it shouldn't be something that blocks everyone else from being also proactive and initiate. So there should be balance between being silent and building, being accountable for like holding this uh, healthy uh, atmosphere in the team or company. What do you think, Marco?
3: Well, actually, that's really great uh, uh, <clears throat> topic to start with because accountability, especially, it's kind of tied with in in my view with the ownership and clarity uh, of the different topics and that's something that um, usually what ends up in many projects as a bottleneck is on clarity of the ownership uh, people maybe are evading about it or not even or just assuming the problem like there's this philosophic principle of Occam's razor which means that usually uh, the thing if you if you have any kind of a problem usually the The solution is the one with least assumptions and uh, the thing is that when you're doing working with humans and working on projects sometimes people end up doing assumptions just to save time without asking but that's like more about like openness of communicating and being really clear so i think that i agree that by based on every team it's a bit different um how to best perform and what practices would work but one thing that is kind of really important in every single team is that the the team lead basically listens and makes everyone feel that they are heard and they are in this safe environment where everybody has possibility to voice their opinions but then again when there are things that can be ending up maybe even in heated conversations sometimes that there would be someone who is kind of the owner of each topic so who is held accountable because usually that's otherwise can end up in waste of time in some cases so it's a little bit tied to the performance view as well uh, just my two cents a very important topic and not easy to solve
1: <laughs> i i i think i mean accountability for a specific project or accountability for a specific mission or or something is is one thing but the, for culture itself right when we are together in in this space we are kind to each other we encourage each other we help each other out like um, we are, we we show each other respect. We respect each other's boundaries. All of this stuff is is what I would consider part of a positive uh, culture, right? And and so the question is, how do we make individuals uh, accountable for maintaining and building such a culture, right? And uh, what I think is like you you can hire a producer, a project owner, a designer, right? And and they all have ownership roles over how the product is and, and are maybe very well-educated or experienced in this, right? But then it comes to the human aspect and all of a sudden you find that there is an intern or somebody on the floor that is just simply a very charismatic person uh, or or not, right? And, and they start to become a leader um, that is growing by themselves. Nobody has given them a, a badge or a medal and said, you are our morality, morality chief, right? But, um, these people will start to emerge. And uh, I think it is important when when structuring teams uh, to uh, have the discussion on this topic and like put it on the wall, like this is these are our moral moral um, boundaries. right Like this is the moral standard, the bottom, right? We exist above this line. and and to make uh, everybody like accountable for it right not just to say well you are the po of the group you know you you are the scrum master you have to be everybody's psychologist right um you know but but that the whole team is accountable for for it together right and and it to find and, and the difficult thing may be to find a way to communicate this to people without making people feel guilty right you come in and you say hey listen you know we we all have to be kind to each other i I want you to be responsible for being keep being kind to other people then maybe people experience it they're like well are you saying i'm an unkind person are you saying i'm i'm not nice right but but you know I, i i think it's it's very important to identify these these individuals within an organization that Maybe they do not have a hier- hierarchical leadership role, but they, you know, uh, just just because of personality, uh, they they um, manifest in, into these uh, like <laughs> unorganized leadership roles uh, all over uh, the corporate structure. Does, does that make sense? I yeah.
2: think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, and I think w- what you also uh, mentioned shortly about. Uh, not not blaming uh, or so I think is is super important and I think you all brought up uh, really interesting valuable points about it and uh, and I think that um, getting a culture where mistakes are not blamed but but actually actually celebrated as learnings in a, in a way is is super important for the organization to be able to to improve step by step and. Uh, and for people to dare to take accountability because both if leaders show that they can take accountability for their mistakes and learn from that and that uh, encouraging others in the organization to do the same i think that's that's one of the keys as well to to get uh, accountability to increase in an organization what is your number one tip to nurture that uh, accountability in your team yeah in my teams i i have uh, i have some recent in- examples, when I've gotten positively surprised by people who have taken accountability for some mistakes, Uh, for example, something being uh, late to a delivery, Uh, that person came to me and said, like, I know this didn't work out as we had hoped. Uh, However, these are the three action points that I have in order to fix this for the next delivery. And then as a as responsible for the project management in our project, then I get super happy because then I can I can trust this person has thought about this and has put something in place now for the next time we're ending up there. And so I want to you know when people come with things like that i tell them that like this is a really good example of accountability um because i want to show that i i see that they are taking accountability and perhaps at some point somebody will hear that and think more about what accountability means for them and start doing it as well i
1: i, I think I, well what i find is is the best way to foster any kind of um you know human trait uh, in others is is to uh, give praise uh, to acknowledge and and to you know in 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 an intimate surrounding um you know where where uh, things are taken at face value to state very clearly like this was done and i'm very happy that it was done you 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 know i'm you this is exactly how i think we should be handling things and you are you know um the way you handled this is uh, is very good and uh, i'm very thankful for how you know how how you are uh, handling the situation and please you know let's let's do it like this moving forward and if you could encourage others to also do this that would be fantastic and then give them a big smile right um... positive
0: reinforcement always
1: wins yeah,
0: cool right um that's a Nice. And to move on to the next question. So that one is from Murad, who is saying, how does team hierarchy affect company culture? Murad, do you want to give us some more details on that one? Sure. So uh, this comes from
4: my current experience and my previous experience, because I came from like a smaller company where we were just like 40 people tops. And when I joined Tactile, uh, we were already 200 people. And since then, like a year and a half past, we are 300 and uh, companies growing fast. And first we uh, were always happy and proud of our flat hierarchy. And uh, things change a little bit because the company became bigger. It's just impossible to like maintain this uh, startup uh, environment, but still the hierarchy is more or less flat because we don't have like senior specialists, middle specialists, uh, junior specialists. We have artists, producers developers, and then we have team leads, like art leads, art directors, uh, developer leads, and uh, head of departments, like head of production, head of product, head of marketing, and so on. And of course, like C-level management. And uh, from my previous experience, uh, it can be both good and bad thing, uh, the uh, steep hierarchy, because it can become very official, and strict, which gives an order to your team culture, like you have a specific set of rules that we need to follow, specific chain of command and so on. But at the same time, this uh, this official part, it takes away like the soul, the uh, human aspect of uh, all the communications you have. And I think personally that sometimes it's very hard to maintain that balance, but uh, luckily my company maintains it. And uh, uh, we're very proud of that. But uh, I want to know how is it for you? Is it challenging to maintain balance between having a lot of different uh, roles with uh, different hierarchy, but at the same time maintain the healthy team culture, or is it something that comes uh, natural with uh, the structure? So I really would like to know your opinions about that. And luckily, we all come from companies of different
0: size and backgrounds so right. well Thor you've got your finger in a number of different pies at the moment uh probably with different hierarchy types in each one so how about you kick us off on this one
1: so it, uh, yeah it's a really interesting question and I you know it's it's uh, there's many ways to approach it like one is look to look at it from the perspective of a a small company which is a single team almost or maybe two teams um, and then a large company which has offices in different continents and different time zones, right? That that's one way to look at it. Another, and but but then if you start and and in that case you you are talking about like a team culture, and then a corporate culture, right? So you you have the whole company culture which is kind of maybe a more official structure, and then you have little silos where you have different uh, cultures within each company, right? Or on different floors in the same building, or in different departments, or, or however that works. Um, what, what I think is, is, is more important than size, I think, is the leadership style and, and, and the structure of, of the company. It's, it has to do with uh, you know, ownership and autonomy a lot of the times. and. Uh, like there is these two these two uh, opposites i don't know if everyone is familiar with the term uh, author uh, leadership so so this is a framework where you have a singular important creative genius right like the director of the film and you know or you know in some games you have the the the, the singular name behind the product and and or in the theater right uh, so so in that environment it, it can be very toxic because um only the author is important and everyone else exists to uh, make the author's vision you know uh, like a, if we take an example from the theater like the ushers and the people selling the tickets and the people cleaning the seats and the people building the sets and the costumes and none of these people they are all replaceable right so they are just acts and the director is the main event always right so so in that type of environment uh, and especially if you have a big, big company where you have many authors and you maybe have one author at the top, it becomes very—you know—the culture is always dominated by this one person, right? But but if you have a, a servant leadership, which is, I think, the opposite of of and a term that people are are more familiar with than author culture, where leaders, whether they are producers or, you know, managers of of of, of, of departments or, w- or whatever that is, um, they they access to facilitate a uh, cross-disciplinary team where everybody is important and uh, you know try to make sure that within each team each discipline has their own type of autonomy right like you can you can decide maybe not decide what feature we're building or when it needs to be built you can at least decide how you are going to build it right so so you give a little bit of control to everybody so everybody has a little bit of ownership and uh so i th- I think I think these are the, the important things to to kind of look at, right um, when when answering this question. I don't think there is one right answer to it, but but I think you can you you can, you can use these uh, points as guidelines kind of to to navigate them case by case. What, what about you guys? Uh, what about you Anna?
2: yeah, it's it's interesting. You mentioned about um, uh, leadership style being m- more important than size, because I was thinking when hearing the question that that I think it is a consequence of of size in in some extent. I mean, there might be several factors, of course, Uh, I have noticed, for example, that founders being there naturally from the very beginning, they often get seem a bit disappointed when when the company grows and naturally there have to be formed structures and clearer hierarchies around it. And suddenly you get away from that feeling that you can just uh, talk with anybody, take decisions on the fly all the time. However, when you add all those all those extra people, let's say for a, a hundred people sized company, then a lot of those hundred people often do feel the need for this structure and want, want a clearer hierarchy so that they know who they should go to so i have i have often experienced this this kind of balance between people who were there from the start wanting that that feeling that soul to to remain talking a lot about that whereas new people coming in desire you know this more structured way of working and clarity and things and uh and so to to that extent i think it it's, it's somehow a, a consequence of a size um but what i often want want to see in teams ideally is you know this flat feeling that you can go to anybody, uh, everyone is approachable. They It's not a, a culture where you can only talk to people next to you in the hierarchy. I want to be in cultures where you can talk to the CEO and, you know, um, that kind of feeling in the culture, uh, because I think that makes it the most efficient in the end. And I think that can coexist with the clear hierarchy as well, like being transparent about who makes decisions and uh, and not because because uh, a lot of people need that especially coming in new to an organization and uh okay. marcus what what do you think
3: actually i'm i'm definitely a uh, fan of servant leadership and i also that was really great point that you brought up that diff- usually like the startup or the people who were originally also they kind of maybe uh, long for that uh, simplicity how it was when it was just one product and all that but the teams uh and the companies, they change. They also uh the company as the as it becomes bigger, we are like over hundred people now, and it's quite different from what it used to be. Uh in that sense. Um but we try to always kind of keep as flat possible uh, um, organization. Um so we only have team leads and uh in the middle between the leadership team, which is only three people. Um, there are four directors and those directors are kind of the clue between the teams and the leadership in that sense that they are cross-functional making sure that everything works and the least possible um, uh, way of like hearing things that would not otherwise end up uh, to the leadership's ears but then again like we also one of the things that we've manage to keep always is the approachability on the leadership so anybody can approach us anybody can discuss anything so i think that's kind of one of the most important things is like the openness and kind of um making it sure that everybody has even though there's a really flat hierarchy um there are possibility to you as a professional pro so that's one of the maybe problems if you don't have any kind of like junior senior or uh, that kind of a hierarchy and roles, for example, for the team, uh, it can end up in this uh, problem that um, people don't maybe see how their career can progress within the company. So that is a trade when you have very flat flat and you just trust that people know and they learn because all the time we keep learning when we look back a couple of years back, hopefully we can say always that, I've, I've learned so much in these two years, for example. But yeah, those those kind of topics um, come to my mind. But really interesting. How about you, Mark?
4: Yeah, I really like your points. And uh, I definitely agree with you, Marcus. Like, like It brings uh, some pros and cons, obviously. And it's not something that uh, is easy to balance. It's just something you need to accept. Like, OK, if we take this approach, we'll have this situation. And that's it. Like, you can try to uh, make the effect uh, not as uh, big, but still, you'll have some issues. And like what uh, Anna said, like you have the approachable structure where you can talk to CEO, talk to leads. Yes, it's also uh, something really cool. And uh, for instance, we have it and uh, it's something very useful for like on different levels that you can just talk to anyone and solve problems immediately. But at the same time, it also uh, brings the situation where the responsibility lines, there are kind of blurred. Like uh, you don't have a person who is like in charge of X. And like anyone can take that and run with it. So sometimes you just need to uh, artificially create that hierarchy, like, okay, now you are in charge of this project and you need to be like handling all the communications, kind of creating that hierarchy feeling. It's not strictly hierarchy. Like people still understand, okay, it's not my boss. It's just a person in charge of, let's say, communicating the vision of the small team to the leadership. But in the same time, it's might bring something, especially as you said, if it's the team that started as a small one. And then grew over time because you have people who joined like five months ago and you have people who joined 10 years ago and of course their approach is different uh, because people who joined 10 years ago they were like it was just them and CEO sitting in a small room in the basement doing some stuff and people who joined five months ago they joined this huge corporation they're like okay maybe the hierarchy here is very uh, strict and I need to obey all the rules and uh, like keep a mouth shut And you need to be very transparent about company values. And to the point that Tor said that uh, it depends on company and depends on team. So it's like company uh, culture, team culture. Sometimes you can just onboard company values inside your team and then just adjust team values to the company values. And uh, like if you have some high-level concept of uh, being transparent, for instance, it's not just some vague concept that uh, is there and people sit there assuming, hmm, I don't know what that means but i guess i will just go with the flow you need to explain that inside the team like okay so that means that whenever you have uh, doubts about uh, that message that i don't know anna sent me and uh, she uh, sounded kind of angry like you don't assume that thing you go and ask okay i feel that there are some vibes going on here in this conversation can we start over just to make sure that we on the same page and understand each other there are no emotions involved because The person on the other side of conversation, they will appreciate it because they also been in the same situation when they misunderstood something and like, don't make any assumptions, be clear with your team. And when you have some values from the top to the bottom, make sure that everyone understands that. So even if you have like flat hierarchy, steep hierarchy, it doesn't really matter if everyone is on the same page and aligned with the value. And then like, it's just the choice of the setup for your team. Fair enough. Very cool
0: right perfect so let's move on to the next one now so uh this one is from thor what are the pitfalls of remote or hybrid work with regards to a healthy culture uh marcus do you want to sorry uh thor do you want to give some context around that before marcus takes over
1: yeah yeah um yeah so you know i'm maybe i've been doing working with people and building teams for a, for a long time um and uh I have always found that uh, being in close proximity with people, even if teams are remote, to bring bring teams together and everyone looks each other in the face, go river rafting or you know paragliding or you know get into a little bit of danger together, team building, right? Even if we're just playing Mario Kart, right? That's a little bit dangerous sometimes, but but, but then COVID hits us, and all of a sudden I start hearing all of these voices from other organizations of industry and like in the media on blogs and and there's like this uh, this choir of people singing that like this is awesome we're all going to be working remote forever it's going to be cheap we don't have to commute to work you know, like everyone is so happy about it. It's, it's you know, it's the best thing ever. And f- from my personal perspective, I'm just like, that's, that it's horrible, right? <laughs> it's, it's so bad to not be able to bring people together, to look people in the face. And like Murad mentioned before, to walk over to someone and just say, how are you doing? Like, you know, I, I know it's stressful right now, but you're doing a good job, right? Or or all of those personal touches, right? Where you can kind of perceive people's mental state and, and psychological safety, right? Um, but I, I wanted to get you guys' perspective on it. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I've obviously answered what I think about it, but uh, but what do you guys think? Um, Marcus, yeah. you want to start?
3: So, sure. Um, this is a great question on topic, uh, and then it hit us hard in the sense that especially we're in the creative industry. So mm. most of us kind of are so-so uh, that we enjoy meeting people and kind of sparing the ideas. And the thing, especially like the big, biggest pitfall in this is um, that uh, some of the people, like especially like oftentimes um, some developers might have that feeling that it's the best thing ever because you can kind of focus a lot, but not being interrupted and all that. But the thing is that you kind of, miss a lot especially on the team lead level because the team leads and uh, your superiors biggest and most important mission is of course the well-being of the team all the team members and uh, it's gonna be really much more challenging when you don't see the faces of course of the people on the team you don't either feel the pose of the team like especially for new members they, they won't be um, so engage with the team most likely because you won't have those um, things like or, that you would have like otherwise in the office space like for example taking coffee together and talking about life in general and all those kind of things. We don't uh, generally um, call uh, just randomly to our colleagues um, during pandemic and even though we tried like for example we put out some virtual cafes and all that but everybody's organizing their life in different ways how they how it is so it's really difficult to get that um kind of a same kind of culture happening uh on the lines as you would on off on, on this on site so that's like one big uh, pitfall another thing is as well um about being like mindful about like uh the work um life balance um so basically if you have you, we all have like different kind of homes and apartments and all that and in some cases it can be that your apartment is really small so it's not so ideal for work and it can be that your work work setup is all the time constantly reminding you of work there so you don't really get that disconnect that you would get from commuting so it's kind of really difficult everything becomes blurry that it's like you're all the time in the work and that can be mentally taxing as well because we are in this uh, creative passion industry so it can be that people kind of end up working way too much and forgetting a little bit about themselves in this kind of setting so those are kind of like the main main things i name but how about anna you're a uh, bigger organization so
2: well i yeah i completely agree and i, I worked uh, in a smaller organization when covid started and then i I started in a big organization when covid was was still uh, relevant and and so when I started uh, where I am right now everyone was still supposed to work from home and I think the the onboarding it is a more challenging task I've heard friends as well when they started new companies it's, uh, I think that's one, one of the biggest pitfalls that I can see that it's it's harder to get into the team when you start 100% remote and you don't really see who talks with whom, like how do people actually work? How does the communication flow happen? And uh, uh, not the least, I think that um, that uh, the way of making friends as, at work becomes so much harder because work is an important you know um, part of our lives <laughs> for most of us we spend so many hours you know and in the games industry we share a common interest so it's very natural you want to find friends at work and uh, when i worked at previous companies you know i stayed later every now and then to you know talk with people and then you find out like who is interested to talk with you after work and like uh, maybe we're going to an after work or or having as, you know as a normal break But uh, when you're remote, how do you actually take that step? That, I think, has been challenging. And now when we have been allowed to go back, it's easier. Uh, But for sure, uh, when we were 100%, you know, on-site, making friends was uh, much easier, I I have to say. So um, I think that's one part. Um, How about you, Murad?
4: I totally agree with the points. Uh, To add on top of that, uh, I can say that first of all, this my impression was that over pandemic and when pandemic ended and people just uh, continue working from home, at least from time to time, uh, they actually burn out faster <laughs> just because uh, you always in the context of work, like, because when you're in the office, someone can just pull you out of your uh, like work state. Like, hey, can we just go have some coffee or like, let's take a break, let's go with some air and when you are sitting at home you need to be accountable for that on your own unless you have i don't know uh, a partner pets or whatever otherwise you just focus on work and i for instance ended up working more being uh, at home than at the office because i'm like i still working like i still will be sitting at my computer like why don't i work more for like an hour something and then when you're done with that you still spend your free time at your computer so it doesn't The same as when you work from the office, because yes, you need to commute, you need to change the environment. So it's like a switch and you have like, okay, this is my work state. This is my life state, and this is a work life balance. But uh, in terms of team communication, I found ways to replicate it to some extent when we are working remotely, the thing I cannot even think uh, how to replicate is how to communicate with other teams, because for instance. Right now, when we uh, are out of pandemic, uh, in tactile we have a thing like a Friday bar. So every Friday, we just grab some beers or like some refreshment and just talk about life. And normally people from different floors come there, like from different departments, and you have a chance to communicate with people you don't normally work with. Like, for instance, a narrative designer talk to marketing. They normally don't talk during work, and now they uh, know each other, and they exchange some life experience, then some work experience, and they know more about how the company functions in general but when you are working remotely yes you can communicate with your team you still can have like virtual bars and so on but you cannot randomly write hey i now have this henry as my new colleague should i know what he's doing Hmm, should i reach out and check uh, like what is his life about and i don't see any way to replicate that it's like random elevator peeps and conversation next to the cooler it's something that is not Uh, existent in the virtual space and I hope that with time some tools will come that will help us to randomly approach people like even now Slack has some add-ons like Donut where it randomly connects you with one of your colleagues in the same space every week for virtual coffee and you're like okay I've never thought that we even have uh, this person in our company let's talk and figure out what your life is about but otherwise it was like the biggest pitfall because suddenly your big team get limited to uh, like your big company you get limited to just the size of your team because you normally don't communicate outside of your team and because you don't have outside of work activities there is no reason to communicate with people outside of your team and uh, that of course affects your mental state uh of working in this company because it seems like you're isolated and even now when people prefer to work remotely like for instance, in my team, we have people who are working from Copenhagen and some people working from Argentina uh, and England. And so I understand that for them, it's harder to participate in all the activities we have inside the team. So we try to bring them as much as possible, but it still won't be 100% the same. Like yeah. for different reasons, not just because they're remote, but because of the time zones, because of uh, how they structure their uh, day, and so, on. so. That is the biggest pitfall
1: for me. I'm very happy to hear. Like, I uh, seem to hear like a resounding um, from colleagues, right? Who are who are in it, right? We we all kind of share a very similar experience, and like the point about onboarding, this is obviously something that I'm, I'm I deal with a lot, and uh, and and that it's so much, and especially junior people just coming out of school into the first job, etc. And and you know, how how are you supposed to mentor and and teach someone how to? and you're breaking hard news to them, like, you know, that project you were working on for a month and a half, it's going on the shelf. If if it was in person, you know, I could make jokes and tell stories about how this happened to me and da-da-da-da, like, and in some cases, like you're not even awake on the same time zone. So you have to do it through email, right? And it's just horrible, right? And it's the first thing somebody does in their professional career. But also because you kind of mentioned also these friendships and, you know, from, from an HR perspective, friendships is is one of the most valuable uh, assets for a company is that there are good friendships in, in, in the workforce for two reasons. Um, and one is that if if you have a, a, a friends at work, you are less likely to quit. And uh, very st- strangely, um, well, I don't think it's strange but uh, inventory deprecation, right? Um, and a deprecation of equipment measures uh, 25% less where friendships measure high than when the opposite is true. So maybe, it can be said that we are less likely to steal from our friends, because if we had friends at the company, we actually start to treat uh, company property as if they are our friend's property. And this is just psychological facts based off of business intelligence from Gallup, right? But they're facts, right?
0: I want to know and why you had to find out the facts around stealing data of equipment.
1: <laughs> I, because I studied human human resource and I had to study all the data science behind it, right? So so that, that that's, you know, this is a question that's asked on almost every human resource interview in the world. And the reason we ask this question, that is because People are less likely to quit if there are greater friendships and they, they also deprecation of, of company property is lower. Mm-hmm. And the other reason, which I think is even more important is that if you have a confident, a confidential friend at work, right? So let's say I found out that my significant other has cancer or my dog died, yeah. or right, like maybe I'm, I'm having a sexual identity crisis or something that is like just bothering me deeply on a personal level. If there is somebody at work who appreciates me as a person and listens to my troubles and then when I have a personal crisis, work is a safe haven for me and when, and this is, and it it is in these points in our life when we are, uh, we are likely to change jobs, uh, to have burnout and, and to hide away and escape. Uh, so, so it is is very important that uh, companies foster uh, avenues of, of of deep friendships in, inside of the the workplace uh, if if they at all want to claim that they are fostering something called a positive culture. Agree.
4: And actually, this is not something that you can establish just by stating it verbally. This is something that you need to prove that uh, people in your team can be comfort uh, comfortable around you and uh, be confident that you. Won't use information that they share personally, like anywhere, because like sometimes when someone from your team approaches you and say, "Okay, I'm asking you this not as my manager, but as a friend," you're like, "Okay, we are on the right track." <laughs>
1: but but it's also not your responsibility to be friends with everyone in the company. You know, as a oh, manager, okay. it's 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 your responsibility to make an environment where everyone can find a friend that fits them, right? So, so. yeah,
2: psychological safety in order, I think, to dare to make friends at the company, I think is important.
0: Fantastic. Um, Yeah, it's refreshing to have not, you know, a different side of the hybrid work, because obviously we can spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and see all the pros of it, but it's nice having a conversation where you actually see some of the other side of the fence. Do you know what I mean? So on to the final uh, discussion point, and this is from Marcus. Uh, a discussion around meeting three days or times um, in response to creating a healthy culture. Marcus, do you want to wrap up on that one? Sure.
3: So this is a thing that I especially know after post pandemic and growing, um, almost doubling the size in the past years. um, We've been thinking that we are giving us uh, the whole company a lot of freedom. The teams kind of can self-organize and have a complete autonomy. There's only like one company weekly uh, every week. so there's one weekly uh, that is kind of mandated but otherwise the calendars are kind of free. And um, Considering that we've grown and like, giving that freedom, there could be uh, opportunity also that w- in our culture we should um, maybe uh, put one or two days per week as a meeting free days or at least have some time zones on certain days so that the key people would be able to, especially on the creative side, have the deep work uh, synced so that they won't have interruptions and all that so I was wondering do you have in your organizations experiences from having meeting free um, slots for example or on, on, a, on a like whole company level so it's not just the team level but it's like synced with the whole organization? And um, I, I guess like Anna could start maybe if you have something yeah. to share yeah. on this.
2: We we actually don't have organization-wide uh, meeting-free days. It it has been brought up as a topic, um, I think in several forums across the company, uh, whether we should have it or not. Um, however, it's been decided that it's up to each individual team to decide. So so I brought it up in in the team that I'm working with whether we should have it um, and. That team consists of several other teams, and uh, and we were actually also we were discussing it for a while. Some some people mentioning that it should probably be the best to have meeting three days. Uh, but after some discussion and thinking about how many meetings we do need from from a lead and management perspective, I mean a lot of our time is is about communica- uh, communication and uh, and you know keeping information so that we have information and spreading the information and you know figuring out problems with other people so we were saying that from for leads it might be a hard um, thing to establish um because we will need to be able to jump in to spontaneous meetings no matter the day however we were mentioning that um we want to give the flexibility to the teams as well so you know if a group of developers want to organize meeting free days that is um, you know positive and something that uh, people can have. Um, so far we don't have that many people who use meeting free days. Um, I, I worked uh, with the lead at some point who, who had meeting free days on one day a week and for me as development director it always became more of a challenge to to schedule meetings then because yeah we also have people in various time zones eating lunches at different times and uh, people who are who have kids who need to leave early from work or, or people who for some reason need to start later at work because we have flexible hours so so for people in the project management uh, role, it becomes a really hard problem when, when people have uh, meeting free days, especially people in lead roles who don't have to have a lot of meetings, so, so yeah, I think it's uh, more, more up to uh, developers if they want to have it, uh, but I I feel from that side of being a, a frequent meeting booker. And and yes, I just want to disclaim that I, I really try to you know think about every meeting like do I invite just the right people and like keep the others as optional and having an agenda and all that kind of st- stuff. I'm driving an initiative about meeting culture internally. Um, to, to get better at uh, having efficient meetings and hopefully fewer meetings in the end, um, but uh, it, it has become a trouble every now and then uh, when when people in leads or management positions have had uh, meeting-free days. So that's my take on it. Uh, would be interesting to hear what you others think. Thor, what do you think?
1: I, I I have a very similar experience to you, Anna, and I. So from my perspective, it is. Uh, usually, we also do very flexible hours, right? We have a, a lot of different people in different time zones. There are different work cultures in China and America and Iceland, right? So there's like there's a lot of dif- disparity, and, and sometimes we have overlap between offices, sometimes not. You, you have remote, you know, all of all of all of the complexities that come with running a, a global uh, modern company. So usually, when I find that people are panicking when I talk to them, can we have a talk about this? Can we have a meeting about this? Can you come and sit down with us? It is a red flag for me that this person has been uh, scheduled to do 120% of what they are capable of as a workload. And therefore, when someone says, can I now disrupt your already overpacked schedule with a, a short conversation, if they are panicking at that point, then the, the the meeting that is being held is not uh, the problem, but the the person's overall schedule needs to maybe be considered. Um, so, but, but that that is not to say like if if somebody has been tasked with writing a magnum opus, right? Like you are supposed to just sit here and design this game for nine months, and you know, and this person is just I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm just focusing. Uh, the, maybe the, you know, like I can imagine Stephen King wanting to write a a, a three thousand page book, wanting to be alone in his summer cottage with his work. But if you're working in a a a, a large cross disciplinary uh, organization, um, I don't think you know uh, you really have the right to say I the company owes me uninterrupted time where I can focus on something, because the communication is usually, we are pivoting a little bit, we learn something from QA, we we need to change our focus a little bit, or, uh, you know, can we rearrange? Can we start by doing this and then doing that? Or it is usually because it's something important, right? Nobody is like, can you come and have a meeting with us about cake, like the types of cake that you have been bringing to work? Maybe you could bring different types of cake, right? Like, but I, I, I don't know, I, obviously, people with different personality types, we have introverted people, we have, we have a, people with ADHD, you know, we have a lot of different types of people. And of course, if people have and, and can communicate and articulate something like, I have ADHD, if I am having a meeting every two hours, I can never focus on my work, then this is a special case, right? Then that is easy to say, well, for, in, for your case, we can make a rule. Nobody bothers you before noon, like, and you know, and, but that is a personal thing. Right. But, but not on a corporate level as a, as a rule, I'm, I'm not buying it. What, what about you, Murat?
4: Well, first of all, do not underestimate the importance of cake.
1: Yeah, yeah no, no, cake, cake is a very important, important. <laughs> yeah.
4: but, uh, I think it depends on the role and because, uh, for instance, for me, at least half of my day is meetings and, uh, it's hard to get rid of them because some of them are just ad hoc things that we need to discuss right now and uh, instead of just hoping in a small conversation I prefer to uh, put it on my calendar so people who needs me at that time when I'm in the meeting knows that okay he is in the meeting again Uh, but uh, we tried to put a meeting free day at some point like we discussed that and uh, we ended up not doing it because it was not working for the whole company but somehow Tuesday ended up to be kinder non-meeting day for us, at least like we have the least amount of meetings, at least in my teams on Tuesday. It's also a day when a lot of people work from home and uh, I guess they just prefer to focus. And I think the most important thing here is not about establishing the company uh, level free meeting, but uh, agreeing that whenever you need a focus time, you need to be uh, very vocal about it because sometimes uh, you schedule meetings and people decline them. And so then you need to write them and then you figure out that, okay, you have a big task and you need to focus on that. I mean, if you use calendar, just block the whole day and state something like focus time. So everyone around you will be aware like, okay, we shouldn't touch Marcos for tour today because they are focused on some task. So let's just meet with Anna because she's not focused on something and <laughs> have time to we'll discuss cake, <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, jokes aside, I really think that uh, it's not something that we need on company level it's more dependent on the workload of the team and if uh, your current amount of meetings works for you maybe you should focus not on introducing the meeting free day but on making the current meetings more effective like maybe cutting five minutes down so it won't be like an hour meeting but like 55 minutes because as i recently learned like uh, the meeting is like a guest it just feels whatever time you schedule for it, like if you schedule it for 50 minutes, you will be discussing that 50 minutes. If you schedule it for an hour, you'll be discussing it an hour. And every minute you can save actually pays off in the end of the day. So if you can optimize your meeting somehow, maybe you should start with that. And then in the end, if you figure out that, okay, most of them were unnecessary and we actually don't need them, we can, uh, like figure out things in a different way, then at some point you will end up with this natural mission free day.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's great, thanks. Basically, um, at our company also, we we've with the meeting culture, especially like having the agenda always, having optional only people called who truly are needed. And, and I've been trying to advocate as well the culture of having those 20-minute slots so that automatically the Google Calendar always kind of puts slack there. So if you put an hour meeting, it is actually 50 minutes, so you have 10-minute breaks and all that. So, being just respectful of each other's times, but I agree, like we also have the 80% work time, so everybody's kinda not easy to know, like would it be, what could be the day that this meeting, because although it would be really difficult to establish, and then again, like we should never be um, too rigid about these things. So it's more about like establishing, as you've mentioned, like really valuable points. So thanks, I, I think like I got at least what I, wanted to hear also like from this conversation like it's it's not so black and white like the, the purpose is good especially considering the roles I and mean, in some cases i guess like for certain roles it can be established like let's say for example the creative people who are not but on the management level team lead level it would
2: not make sense
3: any last words
2: I can add two uh, two pro tips for anyone uh, listening to our, this pod is uh, to use the um, if you're in a, at least a large organization you can use the Zoom application to just write the name of somebody you want to call and then click call and they will get a small notification at the top instead of having booking a formal meeting for a conversation so I have really enjoyed that for you know five minute conversations where you just want to you know get a quick check about something and the second thing to have uh, regular meetings either in the morning or afternoon so that people know that most meetings will still happen in the morning and then they will get most focused time in the afternoon i think it's good for expectations too
4: to add to your tip number one uh slack just this week they introduced an update to their huddle system so it's not just for two people you can also hop on a like short conversation through the channel so oh, that's great. you can also do that because you also have the status icon that someone is in a huddle. So you know that they are on a call in a meeting and you won't bother them. So try that. Nice. Very cool.